Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf here, going solo today to break down the Knicks' terrible loss over the weekend, 113 to 99. I don't know about you guys. I didn't have a particularly fun time watching the Nuggets dismantle the Knicks in this game. Going to talk about R.J. Barrett, his return, and then more importantly, some sort of inflammatory comments by Tom Thibodeau after the game. Uh, talk about Julius Randle. Talk about some of the, the just terrible things to come from this game in general for the team. And more coming up next on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. Starts with a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Up and tucks left. Now fires it. He's good. And he's fouled. And he Anthony for three. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Check out prizepicks.com and use promo code MBA or go to your app store and download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Nick's site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. And I just want to thank you guys for making Locked On Nick's your first listen every day. You can find us on all your favorite podcast platforms, as well as now YouTube. And if you're listening to this in pod form and wouldn't mind just hopping onto the Locked On Nick's YouTube, drop us a subscribe, drop us a like. Maybe even like seeing uh, mine and Gavin's faces every day and you want to start switching over to video. But even if you don't, it helps us out a ton if you could just go and do that for us uh, and and just drop the little subscription there. But uh, at any rate, as I said in the intro, the Knicks lose 113-99 to the Nuggets. Not a fun game by any stretch. Uh, it's kind of crazy to say, but having it uh, only be a 14-point deficit by the end kind of undercuts just how terrible this game was. Uh, I, the Nuggets at one point led by 30. Um, you know, the Dicks were only saved by the fact that that they had a, a seven-point advantage in the final quarter um, and managed to pull their themselves together a little bit in the third quarter to make it so they only lost that quarter by 10 points. But basically it was like they had a bad first half and then had – the most third quarter of doom, third quarter of doom of all time. Uh, and just, I think their biggest run that they gave up in the third was like a 22 to three run or something like that to start the quarter. It was just despicable. I mean, it's, it's terrible to watch as a fan. It's getting really exhausting uh, to see them come out and just give so little effort like this. And I, I mean, I'm not even kidding you when I say that pretty much no player did anything that was, overwhelmingly positive in this game. Normally you get at least one takeaway where you say, okay, you know, even in a bad loss, okay, this was a bad loss, but at least so-and-so played well. And I guess maybe this is like part of evolving from being a fan of a team that is a lottery dweller every year to a team that actually is, has some expectations for once and made the playoffs last year and is expecting to make the playoffs again this year. But you know, I, I just struggled to find a single silver lining in this game from any player. It seemed like the entire team 
basically just came out not wanting to play basketball uh, and, you know, preferring to have had the day off. Whereas the Nuggets came in losers of seven of their last eight games. And, you know, they're short Jamal Murray. They've they're, they've got a lot of injuries on that team. Michael Porter Jr. is out, obviously. You know, they have injuries on that team right now to some key players. But they still had Nikola Jokic, and he came out looking like he wanted to get a win, too. And, you know, the Knicks did not follow suit. I'll start. I, I'm not even going to bother with the game recap. You don't need to hear about it. Like I said, that you know, it was pathetic. It was terrible. The Knicks lost by a ton and never looked like they cared. So I'll just get into some individual notes more so than than reliving that hellhole of the game. Uh, so R.J. Barrett did return. He spent the last game and a half out with the flu, I guess, like a stomach bug, it seemed like, maybe, uh, puking his brains out or something. I don't know. Uh, but at any rate, I mean, I thought he had a somewhat decent return, but what stole the headlines after was uh, Tom Thibodeau really uh, sort of challenging RJ publicly in his comments after the game, uh, which was, I mean, Tibbs was clearly angry too because he sent Julius to the podium first, which I have no doubt was like a, this is your team, you you speak for this loss. I'm not going to talk about it first kind of thing. Um but then once he got to the podium, had some pretty incendiary comments about RJ. But RJ had 13 points, 5 of 13 shooting. He was, uh, I think it was 1 of 7 from 3, though, which was ugly. And that is what spurred Tibbs' comments. So I'll just read them out here. This is, uh, I, I pulled this out of Mark Berman's story. So shouts to Berman uh, for transcribing. But Tibbs said, it's similar to last year. I have a lot of confidence in RJ being able to work his way out of it. When you throw in, he's been sick, and to me, you get rhythm when you work. Last year, he got going when he started coming in every night to shoot. So there's no notion that you work sometimes. you got to do it all the time. So get back in the gym. Get back to grooving your shot. Shoot a lot of threes, and you'll start making more. I I don't know. I mean, I thought maybe it was a little unnecessary (laughs) to take that shot there. Uh, But maybe... Tibbs feels like this will be more productive for RJ, you know, like to, to just kind of put that out there and, and challenge him publicly, which Tibbs has never really done before. He's kind of always sung RJ's praises, like even a month or so ago when RJ was playing as well as he was at the beginning of the season, Tibbs had comments, you know, saying how much he loved his work ethic and that he never, you know, he never stops working and blah, blah, blah. And it's all paying off. Now the, worm has turned a little bit now he's saying that rj is not working enough that he's not getting shots up late at night and everything and i mean honestly i not to turn into a referendum on the whole team but i feel like last year we used to see all the time i know steve popper of uh, newsday was always uh, good about this he would he would go up to um you know to go right and it, it seemed like he would usually go up to the the like uh skybridge area so then he could see what was going on down on the court still and would occasionally catch like, or actually I wouldn't say occasionally, like often catch like, you know, quickly RJ, Obi, um, guys like that out on the court, you know, well after games were over, out there getting shots up again on the MSG court, you know. And we saw that really pay off down the stretch last year when the whole team was just, you know, ridiculously hot from three. Uh, I think three or four shooters over 40% total for the season quickly came in really close at 39%. I mean, this team worked really, really hard last year, and it does seem like there's less of that going around this year. And where that starts or ends, I guess, 
is anybody's guess. Um, you know, Julius Randle got so much credit last year for the team working as hard as they did after that Players Tribune piece came out uh, about how Kobe had inspired him and all this other stuff. And now I feel like we're just not seeing as much of that this year. So, uh, but Tibbs felt the need to specifically call out RJ here. Of course, he was asked directly about RJ's shooting struggles, but it, it seems a little odd that he, you know, that he made that sort of comment because it's not a very Tibbs thing to do. But the the thing here, though, is I mean, RJ's slump is is really bad right now. Um, I looked up the stats for the pod here, and and he's shooting over his last thirteen games, thirty three point three percent from the field, twenty five percent from three. 67.5% from the free throw line. I mean, I I think that he's almost getting to the point where we got to start worrying that this is as bad or worse of a stretch than his worst stretch last year. Like from games two through game 28 last year, he shot 41.1% overall, 25.8% from three, and 74.5% from the free throw line. So, I you know, I think that actually sort of, if you look at that first number, the overall field goal percentage, I think that sort of underscores what the main concern is here in that last year, at least when the three wasn't falling, he was still shooting over 40% overall this year. He's shooting that 33% in these last 13 games. And I mean, the, some of the numbers are a little concerning here. So I checked out basketball reference. He's actually shooting 62.1% at the rim, according to basketball reference, which is not too bad, but his numbers from three to 10 feet are 25%. And his numbers from 10 to 16 feet is 31.6%. And both of those are really putrid. Uh, He's also, according to basketball reference, shooting 49% on layups, which is also not great. I understand not all layups are made the same. So some of those are going to be contested. Some of those aren't. But anecdotally, you know, just from the eye test, I've seen RJ blow enough wide open or relatively wide open layups this year to say that his finishing around the rim has become a huge concern. And it it was something that I was starting to think he was getting better at early in the year. And now he seems to have taken a massive step back to the point where I, I almost feel like he's currently shooting. I, well, it's not even an exaggeration to say right now he is shooting worse in every facet than he did in his rookie year, even. And it's, I don't know how to explain it because it seemed like he was turning a corner, like he was getting so much better. And then everything seems to have just fallen off a cliff. And I was concerned for a little bit that there was too much like your turn, my turn going on with Julius Randle and Kemba Walker to where RJ wasn't getting as many good looks and wasn't being involved in the flow of the offense as much, that sort of thing. But I mean, his last few games that he's played, uh, you know, or the last couple times he's played without Kemba Walker out there, which, you know, I know is only like a game and a half right now. But they've been looking to get some looks set up for him, and he's just not able to to capitalize on that. And so that's that's been a pretty concerning trend um, for him. But basically, we're we're gonna need to, to see a turnaround like what we saw in January or February of this year, and really quick. So maybe Tibbs was just kind of trying to bring that out. But like, it, it is really it's just disappointing in general to hear something like that from Tibbs publicly about any player on this team. Although he said things about the team as a whole that sort of reflect that lately, but this team's calling card of last year was hustle, work ethic, defense, and it seems like all that's kind of just gone out the window lately, which is not great uh, as a fan to see 
the team that we thought was going to make their living on on being hard workers again, just in general, kind of dropping the ball in that regard. But I'm going to take my first break here. Uh, just to let everybody know that today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. All right, NBA fanatics, have you heard about Prize Picks? Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love it, and I know you will too. Prize Picks has the best NBA daily fantasy sports prop game on the market. PrizePix offers more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator and offers all the superstar players as well as bench players only recording a handful of minutes each game. PrizePix offers any prop you can think of from yardage to touchdowns, even interceptions thrown. And all of our users that deposit and use our promo code will receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Just make sure to use promo code NBA. You pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry and it's just you versus the projected numbers. Price Fix allows mixed sport entries. You could take the over on LeBron combined with the under on Mahomes in a in the same entry. And you can use the awarded-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It really is that easy. Price Fix is safe and offers fast withdrawals. Don't hesitate. Head out, head to prizepix.com and use promo code MBA or go to your app store and download the app today. Price Fix is daily fantasy made easy. And today's show is also brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends logging for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It is called DirecTV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part is there's no annual contract. The other best part, if you've been on uh, that bum service Xfinity or Comcast, is that you can get MSG Network, which somehow over a quarter of the way through the season, they still haven't come to a, a deal for Knicks or Rangers fans that, or Devils fans, for that matter, if you're in New Jersey, or I think Islanders fans too. I think like all the hockey teams are on MSG. Uh, plus the Knicks. So if you want to watch your favorite teams on MSG, check out DirecTV Stream as well. That's what I did when I got shafted by Comcast. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at DirecTV.com. That's DirecTV.com. Compatible device required content varies by package. All right. So back in talking about this woeful, terrible game here. And uh, I, I want to I guess, you know, I spent a bunch of time on R.J. Barrett there. I want to move over to Julius Randle now. Uh, you know, on paper, I think Randle was okay. Uh, but in actuality, he and the whole team just looked terrible. And a lot of it came back to him, I think. Um, he finished, you know, again, on paper, 24 points, 7 rebounds, 8 assists, 9 of 18 shooting. You know, you might think, like, you know, that he looked great or, or whatever, just based off looking at that. but. He he just was terrible. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Like defensively, hustle wise, he was super lazy. He was he wasn't getting up and down the floor. You know, I saw no fewer than like six or seven different clips on Twitter. You know that people caught throughout the game just just lamenting how terrible he was. And I don't blame a single person because it, it was just it was the whole game. It wasn't like he just took one or two plays off. Pretty much every sequence, he was you know. If, if things didn't work out for him on offense, especially he had no interest in getting back, playing transition defense, 
Um, even just in half court sets, he was being really lazy. I mean, there was, there was one sequence that was shown where he basically just like camped on the perimeter, didn't move around at all on offense. And then when things didn't work out on offense, he, he jogged back on defense and it eventually led to Zeke Naji, who crushed the Knicks in this game, by the way, as set a career high second year player. Who's, I mean, I won't say he's a nobody. I think he's promising, but just yet another guy that went off for like by far his career high against the Knicks this year on their home floor. Kind of embarrassing to let that happen again. But, you know, just sort of jogged his way back, eventually let up a, a Zeke Naji wide open three. Then a, another sequence that I saw, he overhelped to the inside and again left Naji completely open. And, you know, it's just like, it, why are you helping to the inside on that play? If for no other reason than to just get away from the responsibility of guarding someone on the perimeter because he, he didn't have to help the interior on that play and instead left his guy wide open. And of course the person that was driving baseline kicked it right out to Nashi who splashed another three. And there was another sequence too, where he basically just let Jokic walk right by him, uh, you know, without putting up a contest at all, despite having positioning to, to at least make it so Jokic wouldn't get a wide open layup and instead kind of just made the business decision and not try it all. It's just, it, it's getting, it's getting bad as far as Julius's body language and stuff in certain games. And the the worst part is that it's not like he does this every single game. You know, he, he by and large lately had been looking pretty good, but then all of a sudden one of these games just comes out of nowhere where he just looks like he doesn't care at all. And you just want to say to him, like, <laughs> take him by the shoulders and shake him and be like, Julius, like, what are you doing? Why are you playing like this at this point? Because like, I don't understand it. I don't get what the what his rationale is as far as how his effort just comes and fits in spurts like this. I, it just, it it blows my mind. Um, and, you know, he keeps talking, talking the good talk about it. I mean, so Julius had a quote, just like Tibbs had some, again, Tibbs presumably sent Julius out first uh, and was essentially like, I mean, I can only imagine the interaction. They probably were pretty, pretty tense with each other after a game like that. Uh, although I don't know. I mean, most of the Knicks seem to just be completely fine with losing by like 20 points on certain nights. So I guess maybe there wasn't any tension between the two of them, but I mean, he, he sent Julius out there first to answer to the media and Julius said, we got to look ourselves in the mirror and decide what we want the season to be. I know what I want it to be. I know what the guys want it to be, but we have to commit to it. I'm kind of just getting tired of the words at this point. You know, we're now over a quarter of the way into the season. And, you know, as I said last show, and as I'm going to touch on again in a minute, like this upcoming stretch for them is huge. You know, they they have a, I won't call it an easy schedule, but certainly a favorable schedule. They're, they're only going to face two teams in their next 18 games that I would say are on paper, and in actuality, based off what the Knicks have done at their best, they're, they're only going to face two teams that are like head and shoulders better than them coming up in the next 18 games. And that's going to take them through the exact halfway point of the season, 41 games. The, I, I think it's kind of time at this point for them to stop talking about like, oh, we're figuring out who we want to be. Like one of the main selling points of this team this year was that there was very little roster turnover. Like you add Kemba Walker, you add Evan Fournier. Okay, Kemba thing doesn't seem to be working. So, of course, they sort of, they made that change. And, 
you know, now that makes them even more similar to last year, you know, in terms of it, roster construction. And these guys should know how to play with one another and should know each other's tendencies and everything else and should be willing to play hard for one another. And yet they just seem to be in games like this backsliding. And I don't want to completely write off the progress that the team made in the the games against uh, Chicago and the Nets because they played, I mean, those two teams are the top two teams in the East right now. And they played them both, you know, Chicago wound up being a two possession game, but more or less they played those two game, two teams within one possession and, you know, some sketchy officiating and things like that, you know, maybe could have swung those games a different way. And, you know, maybe if they won those two games, then we'd be talking a little differently right now because they wouldn't be a game under 500. And maybe, and, you know, this would just be like, oh, well, this is kind of a letdown game after a big win over Chicago or, you know, the Nets or whatever. Uh, but it's not just that, you know, that there's so many, the season has just been all what ifs at this point, you know, it's been, well, if they had beaten Orlando those two times at home and not gotten embarrassed by them. And, you know, if they had, um, you know, won those other games against those lesser teams, well, if Ricky Rubio hadn't gone off for, uh, you know, his career high and like hit eight threes. Well, if Miles Turner hadn't done the same thing and hit seven threes, if, this other guy hadn't caught off for career high and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's just at a certain point, these things start to add up. And, you know, I've said like, I've, I've made those same excuses and I've said those same things, but I'm starting to hit the point where I'm, I'm thinking like, okay, but this team needs to really take those losses to heart. And I don't think they are. I think they're just thinking that everything's just going to solve itself at a certain point. And, you know, we keep hearing the quotes from like Randall and others being like, well, all we got to do is go on a run and then we'll be good. And it's like, you can't approach the season that way. Like, oh, we're just going to coast until we just go on another nine game win streak like we did last year, because nine game win streaks don't normally happen and they're not guaranteed at all. And I, I don't know why they think that this is just sort of like a given for them. So we'll see what happens. But I need to start seeing more out of Julius and more out of the whole team. But it's on him ultimately to to be the leader for this team and the inconsistent leadership needs to go away sooner than later. I think uh, if this team wants to actually go anywhere, but I'm going to take a quick second, let all you guys know that today's episode is brought to you by built bar. And this holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar or even better than a candy bar built bar filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with decadent flavor covered in chocolate but amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat, and high in protein. You get the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy. There's so many flavors. You'll have a hard time choosing. We have raspberry or mint brownie, cherry or double chocolate, cookies and cream, or peanut butter brownie. You know, I, I'm, I'm rocking with cookies and cream there, even though peanut butter brownie is also delicious. Built Bar gives you that extra fuel you need to bust down those mall doors and battle all the holiday shoppers. Or if you're just standing in endless shopping lines, Built Bar can give you that extra something to keep you going. So throw one in your jacket pocket or purse. You never know when you're going to need it. Because it's the season of peace and love, don't bring up your favorite Bill Bar flavor at family parties. People are so passionate about their favorite flavor, they'll fight for it and things could get out of hand. Your friends with Santa will tell Santa to throw a few Bill Bars in those stockings. With so many flavors, they make anyone's Christmas morning a happy one. Want to cozy up with something warm? Here's a holiday secret. Dip your, dip your Bill Bar into a piping hot cup of cocoa. Let it melt a little and give your beverage a bit of that Built Bar flavor. They're all coated at 100% chocolate, by the way. So it works pretty good. 
Plus, you'll have a nice melty built bar to go with it. Be sure to have a couple napkins on hand. Like some of those marshmallow treats around the holidays, you need to get your hands on built bar puffs. They're light, fluffy, and marshmallowy through and through. Different flavors all covered in chocolate. They taste so good, you won't believe they're filled with protein. I recently had the ruby chocolate one. Game changer. Very good stuff. So go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you will get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. And today's show is also brought to you by betonline.ag. BetOnline has you covered all season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues to march towards the playoffs. Not for the Jets or Giants, though, unfortunately. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. All right, I just got a few final points to get into here. I'm not going to drag this on too long, to be completely honest, because I did not enjoy this game. Um, all right, so uh, here's where I crap on all the rest of the players. Uh, so neither Nerlens Noel nor Mitchell Robinson look playable at all in this game. I say that is still one of the probably biggest Mitch supporters out there still. Uh, you know, I, I really do think that he's going to put it together, but this game was not it. You know, I was really looking forward to hopefully seeing him play Jokic well uh, and, you know, hopefully make him uncomfortable, sort of like he did with Joel Embiid earlier in the season. And instead, I mean, Jokic just annihilated the Knicks. I think he had 32 points in 26 minutes or something like that. Just, I mean, it wasn't even a contest. Um and while I thought that, you know, Mitch got sort of an unfair shake for from some people for the his performance against Chicago, because I think a lot of that was scheme related as to why, like, Vucevic was able to go off shooting as much as he did. And this one, I just thought he wasn't giving effort. And that's why Jokic was able to go off. And, you know, he, he had a few plays, too, where he got set up for decent looks inside and he seemed gun shy about shooting it or, you know, going up for a dunk or whatever. And. I'm just kind of getting tired of this whole team constantly looking like they're afraid of trying to put the ball in the hoop because that's literally the whole point. And the, the whole point of, you know, getting this team together was to try to make them better on offense than they used to be. And we've even seen a version of them that has looked better on offense earlier in the season. And it's all just kind of gone by the wayside now. And then Nerland's so well, he's clearly still hurt. I mean, I, I he's he's a guy that's completely reliant on stocks to be good. So, you know, he needs those steals, he needs those blocks, he needs those quick twitch plays to generate transition, you know, that sort of thing for the Knicks. And, I mean, his knee is is clearly still bugging him, and he just he doesn't have lateral quickness right now. He, he doesn't seem like he wants to jump at all, uh, which makes two of them, because Mitch also has been not, he's been pretty re- reluctant to jump too much as well, I guess, trying to avoid uh, too much impact on that foot, or maybe he's just still carrying too much weight and doesn't have as much lift right now, but whatever the case, like both of them seem afraid to jump with Noel. It's because his knee is wrapped in that giant brace and he clearly is still being bugged by it. I don't understand why they don't just sit him down. The really, uh, the really frustrating part to me in this one was that you had Taj Gibson active who the last game got thrown out on some total nonsense, you know, double technical who clearly probably wanted to get back on the floor and, and, you know, exert a little revenge here. And, you know, instead you just have like Taj glued to the bench the whole game. So I don't know. I don't know why 
Tibbs didn't put Taj in when the other two were being really ineffective, but hopefully that's a, uh, a break in case of emergency glass that he considers cracking going forward. Um, <laughs> so the other thing is just like the, there's something about these afternoon starts for the Knicks. I don't know why they can never play well on their home floor on, during a 1 p.m. start. Like they get they get gifted like one or two of these games per year on the MSG floor against a Western Conference team, and you know the Western Conference team will be playing at like nine or ten a.m. their local time against the Knicks playing at noon or one o'clock or whatever, and the Knicks just like they come out looking like the team that probably had to fly in from the West coast the day before and is still jet lagged. You know, I just, I don't understand how the Knicks are never able to get up for these, these matinee starts at MSG. And it, it just blows my mind. Like I, I don't know if it's, you know, what everybody always talks about, Oh, the players live up by the practice facility. So they've got to, you know, get up earlier or whatever, but like, I don't really want to hear it. Like you can get up at, you know, 10 o'clock for a 1 p.m. start or whatever and you know throw your clothes on get to the arena two hours beforehand at 11 and be totally fine to go for a 1 p.m. start and I just don't I don't know the Knicks always just look like they're completely lethargic and like (laughs) just dead on their feet during these afternoon games and I don't understand it I feel like they should be you know, of all the games, these should be the ones that, that they crush in. But like, I can still remember like burning in my brain last year, the, I, I believe it was last year, the, the Kings game where they just got totally embarrassed on their home floor. And, you know, it's just like, what are you doing? You know, these are West coast teams. You should be taking advantage of the fact that they're probably sleepy, but whatever. Uh, next, like Emmanuel quickly and Alec Burks, I thought were basically non-factors again, which, just really can't happen. You know, this team is going to be so reliant on them now that you've decided to bench Kemba Walker, which is a decision that I fully stand behind, but like you can't then have the other guys going, you know, a a combined three of, I think, I think quickly and Burks want to combine like three of 11 or something in this game. And we're completely ineffective. You just can't have that. You know, that, that, that can't be happening when you just bench the guy that was like your highest, profile free agent pickup of the last X number of years. Um, also like Rose too, just wasn't, wasn't really doing much either. I mean, he had on paper a pretty decent game, but I, I didn't find anything that he did on either end to be compelling. Like he just, he wasn't trying to break down the defense as much. He wasn't trying to get guys moving, making as good a passes as he usually makes, you know, it's just, it, it seemed like everybody was kind of going through the motions. Um, that brings me to the other thing, which is, you know, the the biggest takeaway I took from this was that this team just needs to move more. Like, on offense and defense, you know, this is the case, but I'm going to zero in on the offense here. Like, it was just so much your turn, my turn, ISOing, doing nothing. I mean, the Knicks had, I think, one or two 24-second violations. They had a ton of possessions where the clock ticked down like one or two seconds and guys were still playing hot potato, trying to be like, Oh crap. Well, I didn't come up with anything. So here you shoot it. It is just, I can't believe how many times we've seen that happen over the last number of games. And it it seems almost like the Knicks have a rule. Like, you know, sometimes teams institute rules during practice or whatever of like only X number of dribbles allowed. You just have to make passes before you find your, you know, your shot, blah, blah, blah. It seems like this team has, the opposite rules of that, where it's almost like, okay, only two people are allowed to move at a time. Everybody else has to stay completely 
statue still like a like they're playing like a uh, offensive game of red light green light or something and you know by like squid game rules or they all get shot in the head if they if they screw up or whatever because it's just you know you'll have like a, a julius two-man game with burks or fournier you know or sometimes rj or whatever or rj will run a screen with mitch so i don't I don't recall seeing an RJ Mitch screen in this game, which again is crazy because that's always been one of the best plays to get both of them going. But like Julius will be running a two man game and every single other person is just camped around the perimeter doing nothing. And, you know, I can understand wanting to run a, a four out offense or whatever. That's fine and good, but you know, you need to set some back screens. You need to, you know, occasionally run like a, a double screen up top or like a Spain pick and roll or something like anything to just get like one or two more people involved and get the defense moving around a little bit because the Nuggets essentially didn't have to try on defense. And then you wonder, oh, well, maybe that's why they had so much energy on offense to just come out here and destroy the Knicks on that end of the floor because the Knicks were, you know, offering zero resistance on defense, but also weren't making them work at all on offense. You know, they were playing the stationary brand of basketball. It was just really ugly. And it, it, it really makes you yearn for... <laughs> I, I keep going back to this with the preseason when they looked so much better or even, you know, the first few games of the season where they were moving around more. They were actually like playing together and whatever. And I guess it's, it's gotta be partly on Tibbs. But it's gotta be on the players too. I mean, I think that he's trying to just challenge them to do it themselves. Cause he's like, I think he treats these guys like, you know, he doesn't treat them like kids. He treats them like, you know, adults, like professionals that should have some pride in their work and whatever. But Maybe he's got to start cracking the whip a little harder or what? Like, I, I don't know what it is that is going on with these guys right now where they're just so, like, for lack of a better term, lazy, just like all the time on the floor, not seeming to want to move or, or do anything. It's it's very frustrating. Um, but I mentioned this uh, briefly a minute ago, but uh, the next 18 games are really going to be huge for for the Knicks uh, takes them to the exact halfway point of the season. They're not facing any teams that uh, they're facing two teams, Golden State and Milwaukee that I would say are like unequivocally better than them period done, but they're facing a bunch of teams that are basically in their same stratosphere of like roughly 500 teams, you know, some kind of middling Western conference teams, some middling Eastern conference teams. The Knicks themselves are a middling team right now too, but they've shown the ability to be more if they figure it out. I think that this this next stretch is basically going to define the season because I, I think if they come out of the next 18 games at game 41 and they're still roughly where they are now, which is like, let's say they're maybe even a game above 500. I don't I don't think the back half of the season is going to go too well for them because they need to come out of this stretch strong because their back half of the season is really hard. They have a really long West Coast road trip at one point. There is a stretch from like, February through through March, I think, where they face I forget, I, I looked at it before the season, but like where they face like like eight or nine contenders in a row, you know, and teams that are still considered contenders now, you know, not just teams we had preseason, you know, pegged for contenders. And it, it just in general, their their back half of the, the season is gonna have a lot of West Coast games, a lot of games against tough opponents from their conference or otherwise. It's, it's not to be taken lightly, and as we've seen recently, unfortunately, the Knicks seem to be taking everything lightly. So hopefully they, they are able to get themselves in gear. But 
that's all I care to talk about here. I, I can't believe I've gone for this long, quite frankly. Uh, so Gavin and I will be back tomorrow. Reunited. Uh, he's he's back from uh, uh, some commentating and, and a little vacation. So we'll be back. We're going to be talking about some concerning trends for the Knicks as if there's not enough of that. But we'll have a show for you guys tomorrow. And then, of course, game recaps this week and a couple other good shows coming up. So keep an ear out for that. Until next time, though, thanks so much for listening. This has been Locked on Knicks, and I will talk to you all soon. Peace out.